Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out today. We review them, and we do it, you know what, in a timely manner. That's the main (laughs) thing that I'd say about it, Pete. There's nothing holding us back. That's right. Nothing, no thing. I want to be very specific. No thing holding us back from doing this on time in a timely manner. Mm Mm-hmm. This week. Hashtag Jossie. Oh, man, you threw him under the bus there. That's right. But the good news is you're going to get him trending, I think. Yeah. So, folks out there, hashtag Justin, hashtag not late, hashtag not here. <laughs> get all that trending. He's, he's off this week. Uh, but we are going to jump into a bunch of fun reviews. Let's kick it off with Quantum and Woody, number one, from Valiant Comics, written by Chris Hastings, art by Ryan Brown. Now, this is a reboot of the Valiant Comics series about two goofballs who got to clank their wrists together every day or they will explode. Yeah. Uh, and this is from good friend of the show, Chris Hastings. This is from Ryan Brown, who is fresh off of Curse Words. Yeah, it's Which, crazy to see his art on a different book. Yeah. So what did you think about this? What did you think about this take on Quantum and Woody? Uh, it's a fun take. It feels like they're having a lot of fun with this book. I th- kind of think that's all you want out of a Quantum and Woody book, right? Yeah. Like, there's got to be... An emotional grounding between the two characters. One of them is the straight man, serious brother. The other one is the crazy brother uh, who's always getting into schemes. There's a fun plot that Chris works in there uh, where it twists things around by the end. That's very enjoyable. But mostly it's about building to the gags. And that's what I think this book does so well. Uh, while still adding more to the mythology of Quantum and Woody. So I enjoy this quite a bit. I think this is a good launch. Yeah. Solid first issue. All right, there we go. Nice, tight, and uh, good art as well. Moving on to a big Marvel Comics launch, The Amazing Spider-Man Daily Bugle, number one from Marvel Comics, as I mentioned. Plot and script by Matt Johnson. Layouts and finishes by Mac Chapter. Maybe that was an autocorrect thing. I don't know if it's Mac Chapter. Uh, Francesco Mobili and Scott Hanna. This is focusing on everybody's favorite part of the Spider-Man universe, the most important thing to Spider-Man, the newspaper that he works at. <laughs> uh, I was going to say J. Jonah Jameson, but all right. Yeah, but he's not even in there. No, he's yeah. not. So he's this not. is Robbie Robertson instead. Robbie Robertson? Rob- Robinson? 
Why am I blanking on I this? I don't know. You said it so bad that I can't think of it now. Robbie Rob Rob Rob. <laughs> Look it up, Pete. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he is in charge of the Daily Bugle, as he has been for a while. And now they are not pivoting to digital. They're not pivoting to video. But instead, they are pivoting to investigations. They're diving down. They're diving deep. And he's sending some of his best reporters out to the street, including Ben Urich, who is the old school reporter that everybody loves. Uh, and Robbie's daughter, niece, I uh, really should Robbie have- Robertson. It was Robbie Robertson. There we yeah. go. Uh, I think there's a comic book artist named Robbie Robinson, right? Yeah. All right. There was my confusion point. Anyway, uh, he gets paired up with a social media expert. He's like, I don't need social media. And she's like, social media is the way to go. And that kind of follows from there. It also, of course, involves Spider-Man investigating some ducks. Uh, so what did you think about this kickoff issue? Uh, it's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird take. Um it was interesting to kind of get inside the mind of editor-in-chief of the Daily Bugs. Um, yep. And also, you know, I thought the Spider-Man Donald Duck joke was fun. Um, but, you know, I, I was like, all, all right. <laughs> you know, there wasn't any big villain reveal. There wasn't any big, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's like, coming. There's going to be a mystery overall, I think. Right, but, like, I think, like, you want to get me enticed, get me excited for what you want to do with this comic. And it was kind of like, here's your first day at work at the Daily Bugs, you know? This, so I have a couple of thoughts about this. Okay. My first thought is, I like the Daily Bugle, and I like the idea of having a Daily Bugle title. I believe, I don't know if it was Brian Michael Bendis who wrote it back in the day, uh, back around his, like, alias times, where he did sort of a gritty take on it. Um, so I love bringing that back. I think a Ben Urich title, you know, sneaking that in under the guise of an Amazing Spider-Man title is very fun because he's such a good character with such a legacy throughout the history of Marvel Comics. Okay. We like to joke on the show about us being journalists, right? Right, yes. Thank it's you a, for finally admitting that. It, well, I'm not the one making the joke. It's hashtag Justin, hashtag not here, hashtag bad jokes. Uh <laughs> I am actually a journalist and actually work in media and entertainment journalism. Uh, and this comic was crazy. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, what's your take on this? This is my, basically my take on it. And I understand it is very tough, first of all, to create drama in a comic out of digital journalism. Right. Because, frankly, it's not that exciting, and I spend most of my time quiet at my desk slacking my coworkers wow. and editing pieces, which is not exciting. Is Slack code for something? Uh, yeah, it's like, you know. Oh, God. You, I'm so glad that people at home can't see your face and it's, eyebrows. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, you're so gross. It's a chat program that people use professionally. You know what Slack is? I, we have a Patreon <laughs> Slack feed. I know. You just said it so casually. Yeah, but it's not code for anything. It's actually using Slack. Anyway, my point being, like, I, it is very hard for me to read a book like this where Robbie walks and he's like, we're totally restructuring the Daily Bugle. Here are your jobs. Go to it. Because that is in no world at all. And I've been through several restructurings at this point. Ever what that would happen. Like, Never. That would be speeches. That would be meetings. That would be people getting let on. Meetings go. about more meetings. And then the other thing, I haven't really looked into the author's background, so he might know this very well. But to be perfectly frank, also having been through restructurings where they've said, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to do 
journalism and rewriting stories anymore. We're only going to deep, deep investigations. That is the best way to tank your media platform. Right. Maybe Do, that's the plan. I don't think it is. I think this is the same thing they're doing over in Superbad, which Brian Michael Bendis is writing, where he's like, the Daily Planet is going to pivot to doing deep investigations. And I understand from the outside world the need to say, with everything that's going on in the media, with the fact that there's constant streams of news coming out, I wish that my local newspaper would spend the time to do these deep investigations and really report stories. The problem is you don't have the resources, the fund to do that. And frankly, nobody reads them. Like, yeah, but last week just tonight don't. is so popular because they spend time on one story. That's and really... HBO money. Yeah, that's HBO money. <laughs> if you have HBO money, if you're John Oliver, sure. Yeah. You could do that if AT&T is funding you mm-hmm. and you're not on a viewer's basis so much as are there subscriptions to HBO, the platform. But when it comes to a paper or a digital platform, it is insanely hard to do anything. You're like really that. going off on this. This I'm is fun. Really, well, I'm really going off on this because, again, like it's my very specific perspective. It's like I would imagine if there was a real person with spider powers reading Amazing Spider-Man, they'd have very specific quibbles with that. <laughs> You're like, no, no, no. That's not how you spin webs. Yeah. That's not what happens to us spider people. So it's the same thing as that. So it is an unfair way of looking at it, perhaps, because I don't think you could do that in a comic book, but I was unable to read this comic book and get past that point. Okay. Uh, there's going to be a point later in the stack where I'll tell you about how I was unable to read a book. Oh, okay. Is that uh, Justice League where they beat Perpetua? Nope. Because you professionally beat Perpetua, right? <laughs> no. Would you say this is a pickup, though? What's your thought? Uh, it's... it's it, it's got some moments. Despite all of this, I want to support journalism and comic books. So I would say pick it up. Because okay. I th- Do you know why? Because honestly, I think it's a fun experiment. The stuff with Spider-Man and the Ducks is very fun. It's fun. Koi Boy from Squirrel Girl is in there. Yeah. Love him. Uh, so there's enough fun going on. And I think once they get past that first issue, that weirdness with I the I can't setup, wait for the second issue. I really hope they dive into it and like really drive you insane. Oh, my God. I wanted to see a book that drives you insane. It's been too long since there's been a book that drives you insane. This definitely... Gave me so much pause, and I kept like putting it down and being like, "All right, it's just a comic book. It's this just a comic book, Alex. You can get through book. this. It's fine. You're braver than this." <laughs> Next one to talk about from Image Comics: Ice Cream Man number seventeen, written oh, by man. W. Maxwell Prince and art by Martine Morazzo. One of our favorite books here. I think it's pronounced Ice Cream Man. It is pronounced that way because this is their superhero riff issue. Yeah. Most of the issue is a riff on Superman, very specifically the Grant Morrison, uh, Frank Quitely all-star Superman. And for those of you who haven't been reading it, one of the things that's been going on in this book, beyond telling these kind of one-and-done horrific tales, is they've been slowly building up this mythology of the Ice Cream Man, who seems to be an agent of chaos in the universe and evil, and his fight with an agent of good. And they've liberally pepper things throughout the issues. We get a little bit more of that here that's going on. And this is definitely the issue where it feels like they're like, oh, wait, our it, our comic is called Ice Cream Man. What if we was a superhero called Ice Cream Man? Yeah, exactly. What'd you think about this one? This was so creepy in a brand new way because, like, I was so worried for Lois 
you know, going to his uh, solitude place there. And I just feel like... One might call it a fortress of solitude. Yeah, but, you know, in this comic, it was like sand sure. instead of ice. But, like, um, it was... They they do such a great job with terror in this book in a way that is so creative. Each issue, you have no idea what you're going to get, but every time they deliver, it's really impressive. I agree. The designs in particular, what uh, Martin Morazzo does in every issue, even if this was not, to me, the most emotionally powerful or scariest issue of Ice Cream Man, it was more, it felt like a fun but disturbing lark. Yeah, to me, it's still so good to see the images. Uh, and also played a little bit with race here, just by being like mm-hmm. he's uh, this white, all powerful. And I was just like, oh shit! Like, this well, what is- I love about this is we've talked about how Martin Morazzo's art is reminiscent of Fred Quitely's art. Yeah. So leading into that, even down to the classic Superman origin page for Ice Cream Man uh, from Morrison and Quietly's All-Star Superman was so smart. And to your point, the sequence of the Fortress of Solitude, that was definitely the point where like the book picked up for me mm-hmm. because I, the rest of it, it felt like this is fun, but I've kind of heard these things said about Superman before. Yeah. When they get to Fortress of Solitude, he's walking Lois through all these different rooms and he's like, here's these beings I've captured. You start to realize how weird that is. Yeah. Yeah, I've never really thought about that before. Right. And, like, also just, like, the way he you see him for the first time. Like, he's, like, just super jacked at the gym. And I'm just like, oh, like, I've never <laughs> really thought about Superman in such a creepy, weird way. Yeah. That this uh, book really puts a lens on. And it's very eye-opening. So it's great. Even if you haven't picked up the previous issues of the book, you can jump right yeah, in. Yeah, any one, issue you can really pick up with this book. For the most part. Yeah. And this one in particular, if you're a regular superhero reader... This is a good one to jump into to get the, you know, no pun intended, but like flavor of the book and really understand what they're going for. Yeah. Uh, Great, great stuff. Yeah. Let's move on to the one that I mentioned earlier from DC Comics Justice League number 39, written by Scott Snyder, art by Jorge Jimenez, uh, Daniel Sempere, and Juan Alboran. And this is, I believe, Scott Snyder's final issue on Justice League. It's wrapping up the Justice League Doom War that has found them battling Perpetua, the mother of the multiverse, or multiverses, I guess, uh, for basically everything. Yep. And uh, can I spoil what happens here? Sure. Uh, Three, two, one, little spoiler buffer zone there. They lose. The Justice League loses. Yeah, it's so weird. It's alarming. And they're just standing around. I'm like, "What, what, what are you guys doing? We gotta, we gotta fight, right, guys? Right, yeah. guys. To me, what I loved about this issue and seeing them outside of their kind of like uniforms, weird. Yeah, well, because there's briefly when they're taken outside of the universe, they're just all dressed in black. Yeah. Their uniforms are gone. Ultimately, they get them back. They're headed off on a new adventure to make a last dish effort to save all the multiverses. Um, but what I loved about this, and I think. What ultimately brought this arc home for me is it feels like Snyder and company are really saying something about the world that we are in right now, that there are people who are powerful, hopeful people pushing forward incredibly powerful messages of hope, but ultimately in the face of great evil and the terror of doom, it means nothing. Yeah. And... 
I hate that message, but I loved that they were able to get that all out in such a metaphorical way. Yeah, and is this the one also where we get the event Leviathan, like joining the Legion of Doom? No, 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 that's later on. Oh, my bad. That's later on. We'll talk about that in a moment. Okay. Uh, Let's move on to, I think this is the one probably where your area of expertise, Sex Criminals, number 26, Image Comics by Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. (laughs) So uh, you are able to stop time every time you come, right, Pete? So uh, what was your criticism of this issue? It's just... uh... It's a weird book. You can't read it on the subway. <laughs> you can't read it in public. And Doesn't I pass hate the subway feeling test. dirty when I read comic books. I like to be like, hell yeah, I'm reading comic books. Yeah. Not like hiding in the shadows reading comic books. I've, you know, I feel like we've come a long way and it's, it's, it's hard for me. Yeah. The, I love the note on the back, uh, the back cover where it's like sex criminals, uh, adult is an adult book. Just in case you thought it was an all ages book called sex criminals. It says, duh, doesn't it? Yeah, duh. Yeah. Uh, this book is so funny, and the back matter is so extensive and this so funny, hilarious the, throughout. This is the only issue where I've actually laughed out loud. Really? Yeah. Well, which is funny because and they talk about this towards the end of the issue. This is their most serious issue so far. Yeah. I mean, they literally break the fourth wall and, and talk about how serious it is. Yeah. This is... Unlike any other book out there, if you haven't read it before, don't start with this one because this is the beginning of the final arc of the book. Uh, but you have the main characters are planning this bank heist that they've been leading up to forever. And the fascinating thing that happens is they skip past it. Yeah. And not only do they skip past it, but Mac Fraction leaves in the note of the back where he's like, the reason this took me so long is because I realized I don't care about the bank heist at all. And that just gave me pause until I figured out how are we going to actually end this? Because what I actually care about is the relationship between the main characters. And ultimately what they do is they're throwing a couple of crinks in there, a lot of backstory that's going to mess things up. And I do, I love that move. Like I love. Yeah, but it's also a little upsetting. Because they've been building up bank robbery, bank robbery, we'll bank robbery. It. We'll bank... see it as well. They're going to jump. If there's one thing I know from reading this and every issue of this book, they jump all over the place in time. Right. So I think what we're getting is we're getting the emotional resolution, but we'll also see what happens peppered throughout. We better. You got you to gotta finish up the plot as well as the emotional arcs. Okay. Uh, but it's uh, Chip Zdarsky, gorgeous images throughout. Love the characters. They're all so different. It is very funny, uh, very heartfelt. Can't read it on the subway. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> Next one to talk about, also from Marvel Comics, Thor number two, written by Donny Cates and art by Nick Klein. Thor is king of Asgard, but he's also the herald of Galactus, and they are trying to eat a bunch of key planets so they can dis- stop the entire destruction of the universe. Was this your expertise? Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, but it starts with something pretty interesting, Pete. Pretty interesting we should talk about right at the beginning of this book, which is they destroy the DC universe. <laughs> what do you think about that? That was bold. That was bold. brave and bold. Oh, boy. Nice. Yeah, I really liked uh, Thor standing up to Galactus. That battle was kind of a fun back and forth. This title is gorgeously drawn. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. Well done, Donny Cates. No, well, he's, he's not, the writer. He's the writer. <laughs> he's not trying it. Yeah. Uh, but it is very well written. I did want to talk about the DC thing because there's been a lot of speculation uh, given that, oh my gosh, what was it? It was Scott Snyder. No, sorry. Jeff Johns and Doomsday Clock teased 
some Hulk stuff in the last issue, teased some Thor stuff, teased a secret crisis was coming. And now Donny Cates is throwing into Thor, which is part of his Uber story for the Marvel Universe that he's been building for a while, uh, the destruction of the DC Universe, even if we don't exactly see the characters. Do you think this is actually going to lead up to an intercompany crossover, or are they just being cheeky about it? I would love that. I think yeah. that would be awesome. Amalgam 2? I don't care. I don't care, what, I don't care what it is. Uh, I, I, I think that's just fun. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah. And that's the thing that I'd say about this title is it's fun. It's enormous action. Yeah, it's very it's enormous. It's very much Donny Cates kind of not exactly standing back, but certainly letting his artist go with yeah, this oh incredible palette. Uh, ends with a great cliffhanger. The art is just not only so beautiful and kind of like breathtaking in a way of the scope of the things that are happening, uh, but it's very unique to a lot of comics that you see. So... It's it's just fun because I read so many comics. When you see something that's different and really well done, it's a, it just kind of gets you more excited for what's happening. Yeah, great book as well. Next one to talk about from Boom Studios, Something is Killing the Children, number five, written by James Tyner IV and illustrated by Werther Del Adera. Uh, this book, man, is so creepy. It's so amazing. I love this you love it. book. Uh, yeah. yeah, what do you love about it? Well, I just I love the main character. I love the where she's like she started off as kind of like the curmudgeon-y drunk person who doesn't want to fight anymore. And now she's kind of got her passion and like in the heat of battle is like the perfect person. But when you take her outside of that battle, that's when she fails at life. So it's really cool to see this kind of character doing so well and then also doing so horribly. But the fight sequence, the art, the storytelling in this is really just top notch. And it's kind of a cool, unique take. So I'm very, I like it. Yeah. So this is, uh, as you mentioned, there is something killing the children that turns out to be an enormous monster in town that uh, it seems like the adults can't quite see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this monster hunter comes into town. She's very weird, enormous eyes, has an octopus doll who talks to her. No, uh, and this is that final battle with the monster she finds out that things are actually much worse than anybody thought. What I, beyond the art, which is amazing, and beyond uh, the characters you mentioned, which is amazing, uh, I love how James Tynan builds these mythologies out from book to book. Yeah. Uh, and here we just get these little teases of what's going on in the background of this bigger story. But it's so good, and it makes you want to read... Not just what happens to this small town, but whatever big story they have planned over 30, 60, whatever issues, I am just going to follow them to the end of this. Yeah, definitely. And I love that one, one line where it's like, I'm going to kill that fucking octopus. It's <laughs> great. Well, you hate octopuses. Yeah. It, this is something to know. If you ever order uh, calamari in a restaurant, Pete does not know that that's squid. He'll just come in and knock over your plate. Yeah. Is that squid? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My joke worked? It did. Okay, thanks, Pete. <laughs> Next one to talk about from Marvel Comics, Hawkeye Freefall, number two, written by Matthew Rosenberg and art by Otto Schmidt. Now, Hawkeye's dealing with a bunch of stuff. Mainly, he is going after Parker Robbins, the hood, uh, and at he, the same time, what? He was on our show talking about this. He was, Matthew Rosenberg. Yeah. Boba Bar <laughs> Matthew, Matthew Rosenberg. Matthew Boba Bar <laughs> Yeah. And uh, it was... He talking about it got me very excited for this. 
Uh, and it, it doesn't uh, let you down. I think this delivers a really interesting kind of cool take. Also some fun shots at Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think this is great. I think he does a great job of uh, capturing Hawkeye in a way that does not make him douchey, that makes him a little bit more of an everyman that I appreciate. That's different from the Hawkeye we see in the movies. Uh, the, what, what was that face? What did you? What's this face? Well, you maybe, just it was a, maybe it was a burn. Maybe it was a know, sick bird. Maybe it was your a ongoing bit. beef with Jeremy Renner. That's right. Oh man, Pete. We should mention has his own line of camping wear at Amazon, and Jeremy mm-hmm. Renner just keeps blowing him out of the water. So yeah. Uh, also, you released a bunch of songs, right? Yeah, I did, and a bunch of beef jerky that I really like. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we don't want to get into what he's saying when he released a bunch of beef jerky. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is great. This is really funny. Uh, it's super fun. Hawkeye just kind of bouncing around town being like, no, I didn't do this thing that this evil Ronin did. Yeah. There's a great twist at the end, uh, and they're having a good time while digging into the character, exactly what, like you yeah. said. Uh, even if you don't care about Hawkeye, this is such a fun, funny book. Uh, it's definitely worth picking up. And the up. art is fantastic. The art's well. great, too. Yeah. Uh, it's a good take on Hawkeye. It, uh, we talked about this with him on the live show as well, but it doesn't feel like the Matt Fraction, David Aja Hawkeye. It feels like it's in the same DNA, but it's far enough reviewed that it's its own thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's real good. But also close enough that it feels like it's the same character. Yeah. Uh, next one. I'm real, really getting curious which one you had quibbles with. From Image Comics, Protector, number one, written by Simon Roy and Daniel Benson, drawn by Artyom uh, Trakhanov. Uh, I got to tell you something about this book straight up. Okay. So I read this book and I was like, okay, a bunch of indigenous people. Uh, you know, I love this book. Yeah, you love this book? Yeah. Okay, just to explain my journey with it. Sure, sure. Uh, I read the book and I was like, okay, there's a bunch of different uh, tribes of indigenous people. They're talking. At the end, they go on a big journey. And then I flipped the page and it was like, Earth, 3345. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's happening here? Yeah. What did I miss? We took a turn, man. Yeah, we definitely took a turn right there at the end. Turns out it's in way the far future. Uh, what do you like about this book, Pete? Well, first off, the art is just amazeballs. Uh, also, very cool start. I love the way it kind of grabs the reader, doesn't let you go. I think it does a good job of telling a story through action. Um, yeah, I, I think this is very, very interesting first issue that does a good job of getting you excited for this world. And, uh, and the art really is leading. Did you know it took place in the far future when you were reading it? No. Okay. All right. So it wasn't just me. No. Big twist. Wondering how that's going to work out. Uh, But there's also a bunch of back matter where they talk you through all the tribes, which I thought was interesting. Definitely. I'm always a fan of showing your work. So I thought that was pretty good as well. Definitely going to be an interesting one to follow now that we know when it's set. Yeah. Uh, I'm just realizing now that the comic I have a gripe with is going to be on our live show and not the stack. Oh man, yeah. you're such a tease. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that until Wait, now. Real so. quick, just so people can go back and listen to the live show. Which mm-hmm. one was it? The uh, Spider Man. Oh, uh, because of Mary Jane or whatever. No, you fucking asshole. Nick Spencer's just pissing in my face with his fucking bullshit oh about God. the fucking uh, Hydra Captain America. He gives himself a shout out to how pissed off fans are. And it's like, fuck you, man. You fucking rip my heart off. Then you're going to fucking call it out and be like, ah, look, I'm torturing you fucks. 
I hope all of you enjoyed listening to that last night. <laughs> <laughs> we taped this before. Last one to talk about Action Comics number 1019 by DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, and pencils by John Romita Jr., and this is the one that you mentioned earlier, yeah. where Leviathan shows up and wants to join the Legion of Doom. Well, not that. I mean, Lex Luthor's basically invited him. Yes, because this they're is, kind of they're feeling each other out. At yeah. this point, he's like, well, you took out all these spy organizations while we were facing the other direction. Let's figure each other out. Let's see what's going on. And so Leviathan is looking at them, and they're looking at him. And This is such a great idea. I really love this. Like, somebody doing something so badass enough that the Legion of Doom is like, you know what? There might be a seat for you at this table. Yeah. That I, was very impressive. When Lex Luthor is impressed... That's kind of cool. I liked all of those scenes a lot. Yeah. Loved the dialogue between them. I thought that was great. Brainiac yeah. feeling out Leviathan, all yeah. the members of Legion of Doom. I also, big spoiler for what's actually going on, but they keep flashing forward to a scene where there's this big fight happening in the middle of Metropolis. Yeah. And it turns out their plan is they're like, Basically, we're going to weaken Superman. We're going to just punch him until he's woozy. And then Red Cloud? Yep. I want to say, who's now super powered up and has been throughout Brian Michael Bendis' run. Once he's really just, they've tenderized him, she's going to come in and just kill him. Right. So that's the whole plan. And they cut out at the end and you see Midtown Metropolis is completely decimated. Yeah. Uh, I've never thought... Uh, Metropolis looked more like Manhattan than that like shot. I agree, which is what's very upsetting about it. Yeah. Uh, it's also such a smart plan to be like, he's going to pull his punches here. Like, if we go at him full throttle, he's not going to be like, I'm going to release my full power in the middle of Metropolis. Yeah. So it is such a smart villain plan that I really liked. Here's my one quibble, and I want to caveat this. And I love John Romita Jr. Oh, my God. Are we going to say the same thing? Has he ever seen a gorilla, gorilla before? I'm not sure. I was like, why is he drawing Gorilla Grodd? looks like a Furby. Like, he looks like a that? Sasquatch or something. <laughs> I don't know what's going happening? on. John <laughs> Romita's art is phenomenal. Makes yeah. me pick up books all over the place. I, I agree. Like, every I, time you saw Gorilla Grodd, I was like, what? <laughs> what's <laughs> happening? What is that? Gorilla's heads don't that? go into their shoulders like that. <laughs> what? Did he grow his hair out? What's going on? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It was very weird. I was like, somebody should have said something to him. It's, I mean, do you just not because it's John Romita? You just maybe, say, like, hey, listen. Maybe, or maybe they're like, this looks fun. <laughs> I don't know. Everything else looks good. His Lex Luthor's really great. His Brainiac's great. His Leviathan's great. Cheetah's great. Sinestro's great. Gorilla Grodd looks like, uh, I don't know, something out of Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> Not even. It was just so, it was just a ball of fur. It yeah, was very just strange. Like, yeah. <laughs> it really, really weird. Took me out of exactly what you said. Every time I got a battle, I was like, what? <laughs> it had like one part where it was like a side shot a little bit, and I was like, okay, this is better. Right. But man. Like who? It's like one of those challenges where they're like, draw a gorilla from memory. With your eyes closed, yeah. he's like, "All right, here Somebody you go. <laughs> nice round head, right into the shoulders." Yeah. Was DC like, "Let's see how good you are. You can't use anything to look at. You yeah. have to just draw it all." Do you know what he looks like? He looks like uh, a version of what is it, Fizzy Gig from <laughs> from uh, from Dark Crystal, the oh, little fur wow, thing who yeah. goes like. Rah, 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 rah. 
Except he has arms and legs and a body. You love Dark Crystal. I do like the Dark Crystal. Yeah. It's good stuff. Also like John Romita Jr. Again, like you, I will pick up a book just, just for his, because of his art. It's just phenomenal. because of his art. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, at this point, if we did a Gorilla Grodd book, I'd be pretty interested. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be curious to see how I that turned out. I would love if he got a Gorilla Grodd book after this. Right. If they were like, hey, you know what? <laughs> we're going to put you... I would buy it just to see what happens. Absolutely. Because you know, he changes in every panel of this John, book. John, here's what we're thinking of doing. We saw your issue of Action Comics, and we want to do a Gorilla City book. Yeah. Whatever you do, oh my God. don't Google gorillas. <laughs> just don't. Just go for it. Just trust your instincts. It. <laughs> it's like, no problem. I got it. There's just balls of fur, right? I'm oh my it. God. All due respect to you, sir. You're a wonderful man who probably never listens to this podcast. A couple of things before we go. Patreon.com slash comic book club if you want to support the show. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Totally free. We'll definitely chat with you about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice if you want to subscribe or listen. At Comic Book Live on Twitter. Comic Book Club Live on Facebook. Uh, ComicBookClubLive.com on the internet. There you go. And we'll see you at the comic book shop. Hashtag Justin. (laughs) 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 